Another part of the housing crisis is, of course, rent. Um, And how did it get so high in this country? How high? $2,024 a month. That is a record high set in November right across the country as an average. That is what we're looking at for rent, for the most basic rent. A national rental report published this week shows average rent right across the country was up 2.5% from October. But here's a more interesting stat if you're to take a look at stats. The average monthly rent was also up $224 compared to a year ago. $224 a month compared to a year ago. That's a gain of 12.4%. How did we get to this point? Well, David Isakov is a real estate consultant. He also is a product manager, uh, product manager of data services at RentSync, and an expert on these type of issues and possibly frustrations, if I will. Uh, David, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Bruce. I am so surprised when I hear of rents being that high, and mostly because I know... Um, you know, I'll be honest, I uh, bought a townhouse uh, back 13, 14 years ago now. And uh, rent for a small place in major cities like Toronto, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, um, the rent is more than my mortgage. I, I just can't believe that. What's going on here? Yeah, gone are the days where you could buy a house, flip it, put it up for rent and uh, cover, the, uh, cover the mortgage. Uh, really, the biggest problem nowadays is just a lack of supply. You know, the, the demand for rental housing is so much greater than the available availability of apartments. It's uh, just created this crunch, and it's just driven rents up further and further each month. There are a lot of people listening to this, and uh, they're probably driving around saying, yeah, okay, Bruce and uh, David, yeah, I get that. I'm living that. That is my experience right now. But is it going to change? Is it going to get any easier? And I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm uh, seeing that many experts are saying no. What's your take on that and why? Well, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I I agree. Um, It's really not likely to get very much better. Uh, Leading up to 2019, we were seeing record new construction every year. We were breaking records, not seen in the last 30 years. Uh, But in the last quarter, we actually saw a 70% decline in new construction starts. What that means is that, yeah, over the next year or so, we're going to continue seeing new construction coming to market, which is fantastic. It'll alleviate a lot of the demand. Uh, but after that, once those new units come to market, we're going to start seeing that, you know, dwindling supply again. Um, and the fact is that, you know, with the rising cost of construction, with high interest rates, with high taxes, construction really just uh, doesn't make sense, unfortunately. You know, if we didn't have any other requirements that most uh, cities and municipalities across the country have now for a certain amount of uh, rental or even low-cost rental or market, uh, market-based market rental, um, would do you think, would the construction industry simply build for owners? Uh, do we have any desire or have we seen a desire, a natural desire in the last uh, um Oh, I don't know, a few years to actually build rental uh, rental stock. I mean, listen, the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, even though there was, you know, there, there wasn't this huge focus in the rental market, we actually saw an increase in rental construction as early as 2012. We saw that continue on through 2015, 2016, and up to 2018 and 2019. 
the real, you know, the real problem there was uh, with the pandemic. The pandemic put a pretty big kibosh in a lot of new construction. Uh, suddenly, construction costs started to just accelerate away. Otherwise, there is a lot of interest in the rental industry. There are a lot of developers, specifically condo developers as well, who have shifted focus sometime around 2018. They realized there was this massive untapped market that they just weren't, um, you know, weren't build, building towards. Uh, condominiums, especially in larger markets, like you mentioned, were really kind of uh, being overbuilt. You know, if we talk about markets like Ottawa, you know, the rental or the condo market in Ottawa right around 2018, 2019 just, you know, went right over the edge. Nobody was buying condominiums, and a lot of buildings slowly started transitioning over to rental. Uh, we saw a lot of that, so there is clearly an interest. Uh, we just have to incentivize you know, more of this construction. That's really the only way to get out of this hole. When you say incentivize, uh, you're calling on leadership and you're calling for some sort of policy action, Absolutely. I would imagine. So let's get into that. What are we talking about? What sort of incentives? Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, with the prohibitive cost of construction, we need to try to, you know, whittle down some of these additional ancillary costs. I'm not saying that, you know, we need to remove all every single, you know, charge possible out there, but I think that we need to try to work with them a little bit more, whether it's, you know, offering them additional density. You know, at the end of the day, if you can build additional units, then, you know, there's more incentive. If, uh, you know, you're able to cut down on some of the park um, parkland dedication fees, um, or if you're really willing to just kind of work with them and speed the entire process along. I mean, at the end of the day, time is money. And if we can get shovels in the ground sooner, then we're further incentivizing them to actually get through with these projects and bring them to market. Is anything changing in terms of uh, requirements when it comes to like things like cars and uh, accommodating uh, transportation um, for for drivers who are renters? Yeah, absolutely. We certainly did see that, uh, certainly in 2018, 2019. A lot of municipalities, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, a lot of the larger urban cores, they started to recognize more and more that uh, the more archaic, as you could call them, uh, parking requirements that a lot of uh, these you know markets had just really weren't footing the bill. At the end of the day, you know, building underground parking structures are incredibly expensive. You know, with each additional floor, we're talking, uh, you know, going from twenty to forty to sixty, upwards of eighty thousand dollars per stall. Uh, so by reducing those requirements, they were significantly, you know, there were significant savings there. Uh, that at the end of the day made a lot of sense, and it brings down the overall cost of construction. And it, what, it may very well make a project that is unfeasible uh, more, you know, financially feasible. Um, we also saw a lot of additional incentives with, you know, buildings that were being built around transit, transit hubs, additional density, um, or you know, just at the end of the day, allowing them to build more in slightly smaller units. You know, it's interesting when you talk about uh, the construction and the construction cost uh, for building things with, like, parkades, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall a story a few years ago of uh, one tower in Burnaby, and this tower had a crack in the pavement in the, constru- in the, uh, in the parkade, and suddenly every tenant uh, or renter or owner uh, that was in there. I guess it was the owners who were renting out. They were hit with a huge fee uh, just to fix the parkade. Do you hear stories like that still? Um, we'd certainly hear that occasionally. Uh, and well, here's another reason why rental makes more sense. At the end of the day, uh, with these very large towers as they slowly age, uh, you know, when you have this like disjointed network of you know owners. Uh, it makes these, you know, costly repairs prohibitive and, you know, very, very complicated. 
Um, as more and more of our housing stock continues to age out, we're going to continue seeing more and more of that. Uh, and it is certainly a concern. Uh, you know, we only ever hear about these, you know, ex- you know, extremes, but we don't hear about a lot of these buildings who need a new roof or maybe new siding or what if both elevators come down? You know, that, that may very well be a $20,000 plus, um, you know, bill for each individual owner. And that is a huge hit. And I, I like to say that there is uh, there's no equity when it comes to a sudden charge, uh, you know, every time they talk about uh, how to invest. Um, but that's coming from the side uh, of an owner. Uh, you know, the popular wisdom, David, uh, from years ago that we used to always hear is you got to get out of renting and you got to put yourself in the market. You know, put yourself on the ladder. That was another one. Put yourself on the ladder and uh, and and buy. That was not 2022, and it's certainly not 2023. Are we shifting the way we think about rent, do you think? I think that very well may be. Uh, you know, let, let, to put it in perspective, my father, when he was my age, he already owned a property. He was on to a second property, moving cross-country. Uh, I, on the other hand, uh, I'm sitting in my rented apartment with no prospect of owning a property anytime soon. And the fact of the matter is, uh, when when I live in a city where the you know I need a household income of two hundred thousand dollars to buy the average home, um, it becomes unreasonable. You know, it becomes something that I strive towards, I hope for, but I don't realistically see because daily expenses just add up, right? The only way for that to really ever, uh, the, the only way to resolve that is to build more affordable housing, housing that is targeted at a lower price point. And at the end of the day, with such high construction costs, the only way to achieve that is to build rental. Right. Building condominiums requires me as the owner to pay for the full cost of that construction, which unfortunately, the way that construction costs are going is not likely to be affordable anytime soon. Are Canadians behind in terms of their thinking about uh, how they uh, how they live? I know rent is uh, very common in most places in the world, not ownership, but rent. Um, Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, a, lo- a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, I would say, you know, Western European, you know, Germany as well, even major markets uh, in the United States, certainly those that are uh, substantially more affluent. You know, we're looking at Chicago, New York. These markets have a very, very high percentage of renters. And the fact is because real estate is simply expensive. It's very hard to actually get into the ownership game. So people end up being lifetime renters. And that is that's certainly a paradigm shift. And it's something that a lot of Canadians are going to have a challenge swallowing. Uh, but I think that ultimately with, you know, our major markets, Toronto, Vancouver, Victoria, even um, if we want to continue seeing those progress becoming more international, that is something that we're likely to have to, you know, see in the future. People are just going to have to, you know, be one with the times and accept the fact that they may have to rent for longer. David, uh, you know, when we're talking about $2,000 a month and those who are willing to pay for that, they really don't have much choice, right? A lot of these people that are renters, like you mentioned yourself, um, you're you're out of the market when it comes to buying, or at least you think you are, right? That's absolutely true. I mean, at the end of the day, there you know there are a few uh, absolute you know requirements in life. We need food, we need water, and we need shelter. And regardless of whether you can afford it or not, we all need shelter. And you know, we we do indeed need shelter. It's uh, just one of those things that uh, that you're going to end up uh, paying for, whether you like it or not. And uh, or not is probably where you're at. Uh, but you know what? That's a big chunk out of a lot of people's paycheck. And that percentage of that uh, money that goes to rent 
keeps on going up. And with that, I have to ask you, do you see that there is a change when it comes to how people want to live? I was lucky in my in my single years, my younger years, I got to live alone, never had a roommate. That was my choice, and yay me. Um, I don't know if that would be a reality for me now. What are you seeing? You know, I've been, uh, I wouldn't say privileged position, but I've always decided that uh, I value my privacy more so than anything else, certainly more than a dollar in my pocket. So I've always been willing to pay the extra to live on my own. Uh, but that definitely is not the case across the country. We're actually seeing an acceleration of rental rates for larger two-bed apartments. Um, now, it's, it's for a variety of reasons. During the pandemic, a lot of individuals realized the value in having more space in their units. They realized that they wanted that second bedroom for that hobby, for you know, at a home office, or for a roommate. Uh, and ever since the pandemic, that really hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. It's, in fact, accelerated further. Because now with, you know, worsening affordability, we're seeing more and more people um, kind of sway towards a willingness to live with roommates. There are more and more people um, in, the, in the 25 to 34 year old range that are actually living with roommates than any time in the five years previous, simply because they understand just how unaffordable it is. And they're more willing to, you know, to make that concession just to save a few dollars. Uh, we're actually seeing that with studios and one beds are uh, they're, they're still accelerating rental rates, but that acceleration is is slightly lesser than that for two beds, uh, simply because there's just not as much interest. People want to save money, and if they don't need to save money, they want that extra space. You know, it's interesting uh, some of the weird conversations uh, that came up during the pandemic. Myself working as a manager and hearing from uh, some of the people that uh, work for me, uh, they would talk about how they would have a challenge with a Zoom meeting because their roommate also had a Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you have these conversations where they have to rethink where they they are going to operate or live or whatever in a house. And it may be that your bedroom, I guess, is also your office and so many other things. Are we looking for different ways to, I guess, post-pandemic, whenever that is, but post-pandemic kind of uh, live even as a renter, knowing that your, your home is also your office? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. Um, I mean, again, during the pandemic, we noticed that there was also a lot of, uh, there was quite a big shift in terms of not just the space that people were looking for, but also what they were looking for in an apartment and in the community. During the pandemic, we saw a lot of people move towards smaller tertiary markets. I mean, we saw Surrey, British Columbia. Uh, it's still the number one city um, in our uh, rent sync demand report, simply because there's so much, there's so many more people looking live there. People started to value, you know, neighborhood amenities. They wanted to know that the neighborhood is walkable. There were trails, there were parks, there were stores. Um, and now that the pandemic has ended, that's still a pretty big concern for people. But in addition to that, they now value these, um, these, <clears throat> these lifestyle amenities, these convenience amenities. People want more so than ever before uh, an in-suite dishwasher, a laundry machine in their unit. Uh, they want that extra den. They want the taller ceilings because they want the units to be more livable. Whereas previous to this, people wanted small, affordable, quick and easy. Uh, now we're seeing a pretty substantial shift. And yes, rents are going up. But at the end of the day, if I'm paying a premium, you know, if I'm paying a premium, I may as well get my money's worth for it. Do you so think that's, that's because perhaps it's not just paying for the premium, want your money's worth, but uh, 
Some of the renters think they're going to be there a lot longer and not enter any housing market. Well, that's certainly a part of it. Uh, there was a study recently released that said that um, individuals aged, uh, I believe it was 25 to 34, are staying on average of four years longer as a renter than they previously would have simply because um, they're not able to afford the house that they otherwise would have, right? Whereas their parents at that point in time would have bought a home, they've been relegated to the rental market. And because they've been renting for so long, they now have those really strong incomes. Uh, they're no longer renting out of the necessities. They're renting out of lifestyle to an extent. And because of that, they want those additional conveniences. It's interesting. What do you see happening in 2023? Ooh, it's going to be, uh, the 2023 is going to be very interesting for the rental market. Uh, I unfortunately can't say that we're going to see a uh, slowdown or a re- re- you know, reduction in rental rates. Uh, we're in a very difficult situation. You know, I don't want to be the bear of bad news, but if we were to hit some sort of recession, you know, typically we would see average vacancies go up by one and a half to two percent. Unfortunately, you know, with the new immigration policies, we're introducing you know an average of about five hundred thousand people per year, with incredibly low unemployment rates, with high um, job vacancy rates as well. We I don't expect um, unemployment rates to go up, and even if they do. There's so much unmet demand that there's always going to be this additional need for housing. And we don't see that this demand is going to drop off significantly enough to really let rents slow down again. You know, David, it also means that there's going to be a demand to talk with you again as we go into (laughs) the new year because these challenges are real. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Absolutely. It was my pleasure.